section fifty of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter sixteen if thou hast dipped thy foot in the river yet pass not over rubicon sir thomas brown several days passed in this state of cheerless monotony when one morning as the ladies pursued their different avocations in unsocial companionship a letter was brought to mrs st clair which she had no sooner opened than gertrude observed her change colour and betray visible signs of agitation the servant said the bearer waited an answer and in manifest confusion she rose and left the room although superior to the meanness of curiosity miss st clair could not help feeling a natural desire to know the contents of a letter which had produced so visible a change on her mother and she sat a considerable time vainly looking for her return at length unable to repress her anxiety she put aside her drawing materials and hastened to her mother's dressing-room upon entering she found mrs st clair seated at a table with writing implements before her and her head resting on her hand seemingly buried in profound meditation i was afraid something was the matter mamma said her daughter gently advancing towards her leave me cried her mother in an angry impatient tone leave me i say i can't be disturbed mamma can i do nothing for you asked her daughter as she reluctantly prepared to obey much much murmured mrs st clair with a deep sigh but at present i desire you will leave me raising her voice in an authoritative tone and gertrude however unwillingly found herself compelled to obey uneasy and restless she could not compose her mind to any of her ordinary occupations she saw something that had occurred to agitate her mother and she longed to participate and if possible to aid her in her distress after a while she again returned to her and was again repulsed with anger seeing that her presence only caused irritation she desisted from farther attempts and taking advantage of a watery gleam of sunshine which streamed from a pale sickly sky she set out on a solitary ramble to which fresh air and exercise only could give a zest she slowly pursued her way through leafless woods where the only sounds she heard were those of her own footsteps amongst the fallen leaves and the monotonous rush of the swollen stream but each step was fraught with sad yet soothing recollections for rocks woods and waters seemed all as the registers of her lover's vows and in each silent memorial she felt as though she looked on the living witness of his faith thus nursing her fond contemplations she had wandered a considerable length of way when she was roused to observation by the sudden darkness of the sky but whether caused by the lateness of the hour or the approach of a storm she was not sufficiently mistress of signs and times to ascertain whichever it might be it had the effect of dispelling all romance 
and making her wish herself once more safe at home she was however more than two miles from it by the way she had come but if she could get across the river there was a short cut which would take her home in ten minutes and she walked a little farther on in search of some stepping-stones which had been placed there instead of a bridge which had been swept away by what in the language of the country is called a speet a great deal of rain had fallen the preceding night and the river was so much swollen she could scarcely recognize the huge blocks by which she had frequently crossed the clear pebbly stream when it scarcely laved their sides now they merely held their broad heads above the brown sullen waters but still they were above it and trusting to her own steady head and firm step she with some little palpitation placed her foot on the first stone la premier pas qui coute said she to herself but notwithstanding this comfortable assurance there she stood for some minutes ere she had courage to venture on a second step but the sky was getting blacker and some large straggling drops of rain began to fall ashamed of her irresolution she was about to proceed when she heard some one calling loudly to her to stop and immediately she beheld mr lindsay approaching at full speed on horseback in an instant he urged his horse into the river but the current was so strong it was with the utmost difficulty the animal was enabled to gain the opposite side is it possible cried lindsay as he threw himself off that you were going to attempt to cross the river in its present state i not only mean to attempt but to succeed answered she as she felt her courage rise to its utmost pitch since she had now an opportunity of displaying it and she was about to proceed when he seized her hand you are not aware of the danger the river you may see is far above its usual height and is rising every moment a great deal of rain has fallen and a fresh flood will be down directly well it seems merely a choice of evils as i seem destined to be drowned one way or another said gertrude as the rain now began to fall in earnest i assure you then you will find it much the least evil to be drowned on dry land so pray take my advice for once but gertrude felt as though it were due to colonel delmore to accord nothing to mr lindsay against whom she laboured to keep up what she deemed a due resentment and she therefore persisted in her intention i am far from desiring mr lindsay's attendance said she somewhat disdainfully i beg he will take his way and allow me to take mine lindsay made no reply but by hastily snatching her from the place where she stood and at the same instant a sound as of many waters was heard a sea of foam was tearing its course along and in the twinkling of an eye the stones were buried in the waves for some moments gertrude remained motionless gazing on the mass of discoloured waters as they roared along till she was roused by the cry and the struggle of some living thing which was swept past with the speed of lightning and engulfed in the raging flood she turned shuddering away and lindsay taking her arm in his would have led her from the spot but smote with the sense of her own injustice towards him she exclaimed not till i have here acknowledged my rashness my folly 
you risked your life to save mine while i unjust ungrateful that i was not to me my dear cousin is any such acknowledgment due said mr lindsay mildly give your thanks to god only let us be friends gertrude gave him her hand when can i cease to look upon you as my friend you who have saved me from destruction lindsay sighed but made no reply and they walked on in silence till the rain which had hitherto fallen at intervals in an undecided manner now burst forth in what in scotland is emphatically called an even downpour neither rocks nor trees afforded any shelter but they were now in sight of a summer-house and thither they hastened while lindsay stopped on the outside to fasten his horse intending to leave him until he could send his servant to fetch him home gertrude rushed in and almost blinded by the rain did not at first perceive that some one had already taken possession of it and was pacing up and down with visible signs of impatience but at her entrance the person turned quickly round and she encountered the sharp baleful glance of lewiston ha this is more than i expected cried he in an accent of pleasure and surprise then taking her passive hand this is well this is as it should be come my pretty messenger sit down don't be afraid but this caution though uttered in a soft conciliating manner was in vain at first amazement had rendered gertrude mute and motionless but as he attempted to seat her and place himself beside her she instantly regained her faculties and struggling to release herself from his hold she called loudly mr lindsay save me oh save me but mr lindsay had withdrawn a few yards to place his horse under the shelter of a projecting rock and the roar of the river drowned all other sounds fool exclaimed lewiston as he held both her hands and squeezed them with almost painful violence be still i tell you be still and you have nothing to fear but if you provoke me by heaven you will rue the day you first saw the light and he compelled her to be seated gertrude would have spoken but the words died on her lips and she sat pale and trembling unable to articulate why this is foolish cried he but in a gentler tone very foolish have i not told you that you have nothing to fear that i love you too well the deuce cannot you be quiet as gertrude again called wildly on mr lindsay why did you come here only to squall you simpleton why did she not come herself and where is the money answer me i say a squire by jupiter exclaimed he fiercely as lindsay now entered well sir what is your business here mr lindsay started with surprise as he beheld miss st clair seated by the side of this man whom he instantly recognized as the same from whom he had formerly rescued her but her extreme paleness and the terror depicted on her countenance showed what her endurance cost her the insolent question was repeated in a still higher key even lindsay's usual calmness was almost overcome but he repelled the rising of his wrath and answered my business here is to protect this lady from insult or intrusion and advancing to her he placed himself by her side oh let us be gone cried gertrude as she rose and took hold of his arm but she trembled so much she could scarcely stand you cannot go yet said lindsay and turning to lewiston but as your presence seems to agitate miss st clair 
i must request of you to withdraw by what right sir do you interfere between this lady and me demanded he fiercely i know of no right you have to ask me such a question said mr lindsay coolly you know of no right i have and pray what do you know of me or my rights lindsay's blood rose at this continued insolence but making an effort to master his spirit he replied you say true i know nothing of you but i know you can have no right to alarm miss st clair if you have any claim upon her notice this is neither a place nor a time for it her notice repeated lewiston with a scornful smile well be it so i have claims upon her notice then and you will do well to leave us to settle our own affairs oh no no cried gertrude as she clung to her cousin's arm do not leave me i have nothing to say but as she thought of her mother's mysterious connection with him she trembled while she disclaimed him do not be afraid said lindsay trying to reassure her there is nothing to fear except insolence and that i shall spare you if this gentleman will walk out with me for a few minutes i have already told you that i have no business with you sir said lewiston and the insolence is yours who thus break in upon my appointments come my dear to gertrude rid yourself of your spark quietly for i don't wish to harm the young man tell him the truth and bid him be gone never in his life had mr lindsay's self-control been so severely tried but he still had firmness to keep himself in check i know of no appointment said gertrude faintly as she thought of the letter her mother had that morning received accidents alone brought me here lewiston looked steadfastly at her you are sure that is the case take care how you attempt to deceive me your hand upon it gertrude involuntarily recoiled how dare you thus presume cried lindsay passionately but in an agony of terror she hastily held out her hand lewiston seized it and holding it up with an air of insolent triumph tis well you obeyed me else by all the saints in another second i should have had you on your knees before me audacious villain exclaimed mr lindsay provoked beyond farther forbearance and seizing him by the collar shook him with a force that made him stagger this lady's presence alone prevents me from punishing you as you deserve gertrude shrieked as lewiston instantly drew a small dagger sword from his walking cane do you see that cried he with a scornful laugh how easily i could pink one of those fine eyes of yours or open a vein for you and let out a little of your hot blood but i don't think the worse of you for this exploit and only give you this little piece of advice before you talk of punishing to be sure you have the means in your own hands i thank you said lindsay as he led gertrude to the door then turning back he added in a low voice and i shall return to repeat my acknowledgments only wait me here the rain had not ceased but its violence had abated and they walked on for some time in silence till they both at the same moment described mrs st clair approaching muffled in a large cloak but she too seemed to have perceived them for she instantly turned back and in another moment disappeared by one of the many paths which traversed the wood oh exclaimed gertrude with a burst of bitter feeling at this confirmation of her mother's clandestine intercourse oh that the flood from which you saved me had swept me away rather than that i should live to endure this degradation my dear cousin said mr lindsay gently do not give way to such dreadful thoughts were you steeped in crime you could not do more than despair even then you ought not to do that crime there must be somewhere cried gertrude in the same tone of excitement else why all this mystery and why am i subjected to the insults of that man unless do you know who and what he really is said mr lindsay oh ask me no questions cried she again giving way to tears 
pardon me i have done wrong it is not from you i ought to seek information seek it not at all leave me to my fate abject and degraded i already am in your eyes how little you know me if you think that circumstances over which you evidently have no control could ever lessen you in my eyes it is not the misdeeds of others that can touch your soul and they ought not to influence your character there is not there cannot be degradation but impersonal sin yet i owe it entirely to your generous confidence that i am not suspected despised suspicion itself scarcely could suspect you and for despising you do not think so falsely so meanly of yourself as to imagine that any one would dare to despise you i fear something is wrong and that you are not in good hands but put your trust in god my dear cousin preserve your own natural integrity and all will one day be right meantime if i can be of service to you look upon me as a friend as a brother will you promise me this gertrude in somewhat calmer accents promised she would lindsay continued to talk to her in the same soothing yet strengthening strain till they reached the castle when they separated with sentiments of reciprocal interest and regard End of section fifty.